And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman, as usual. Ari, how you doing, bud? I'm living the dream, man. I'm excited to get into uh, a little Texas today. Uh, So you're teasing our guest already. I stole your job. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Very soon, we're going to be joined by Sam Khan, who are who is our tech expert. I think it's a great job. I mean, great title for Sam. It's very accurate. It is he a covers, great job. <laughs> he covers Texas, covers Texas A&M, and has a background covering recruiting, covers recruiting now. All right, how do you feel about you? You're our recruiting, national recruiting writer, and you live in Dallas, yet yeah. we hired a recruiting writer who lives in Texas. Well, he writes about everything, and he goes to all yeah. the Texas games. So um, I guess that I'm inadequate. Is that what you're looking for? That was what I was... You said it, not me. Um, Sam has been... You guys compliment each other very well. How about that? Absolutely. And he's been a tremendous help to me uh, in the state of Texas uh, since he started. So um, he Talk about someone who knows people, knows coaches. Yeah, yeah. This guy, guy, if if we're going to talk about Texas recruiting and like the Oklahoma debate and all the times on this show and on Andy Staples show that I've stood up for Texas and I'm like, why can't this happen or what... This is the guy to listen to. So I, yeah. I'll I'll spew my my typical theory, yeah. you know, and I'll ha- I'm very curious to to hear what he has to say about it. But good, we'll get know. to Sam in a few minutes. Um, we're gonna talk about some commitments heating up a little bit. You know, it's it's been slow the last couple of weeks. Some more movement there. A couple of five star quarterbacks have hit the road last week. One of them, I better learn how to pronounce his name pretty soon because he's going to be a, a national player. I remember uh, with Tua, it took me. Probably until you still didn't say his last name though. Tonga Valoa. I, I used to know. Still it. wasn't no, very yeah, good. I know. Um, how'd you like basically on when I had to speak in our Zoom call yesterday? I laughed. Hands, I botched uh, Mary Crystal Crystalball's name. Yeah. When I I, I started saying it right, company. but I just panicked. It wasn't the entire company. It was just um, sorry. The entire college, college football, football staff. Yeah. The people that would notice the most. Yeah. So <laughs> I do have some flaws. I do have some flaws. I don't know. Um, it's not that you don't know his name. It's that right. you have a hard time pronouncing it for some reason. And right. The thing it's a I don't mental understand block. Yeah. Is that it's not a hard word to pronounce. I know. Crystal it's just ball. a mental because I said it wrong for a long time, so I was used Crystal to saying ball. it wrong. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so, um, and we got some good mailbag questions. Not a lot, but but uh, you answered some good. Uh, a couple of them that you actually answered in your written mailbag. I wanted to bring up because I thought they were good. We're gonna have trivia, and Sam doesn't know this, but it's it's geared towards Sam to to see see what he can uh, uh, see if he knows much about his alma mater. We'll find that out. Do you know where Sam went to college, by the way, Ari? I don't actually know the answer to that. Where did he go? Sam He's Houston, a Houston State? Cougar. He's a, oh, no. I knew that. I, yeah. I, I was the Sam Houston State one was a joke, but yeah, I did so, know he went to Houston. That's right. Yeah, so I think last week at this time, Ari, there were literally no commitments from players who had a two four seven rating. So, um, which was probably the first week stretch. Well, definitely the first week stretch since we started this pod. But um, there was some movement last week. We won't go over all of them, but some notable ones: Miami in in you know 
you, you've written about this a lot, and you wrote about it this week's mailbag. We've talked about it a lot. It's good for college football if Miami starts recruiting better. It's good for college football when USC starts to dominate. Miami got a commitment from a four-star interior offensive lineman, Antonio Tripp, but not from South Florida, from Baltimore. Number 328 nationally, 19 overall. And Florida State was the other school to get a four-star commitment this week. Uh, Keith Sampson, defensive lineman from New Bern, North Carolina, uh, fringe top 200 player, showing offers from North Carolina, Alabama, Clemson. So a good get by Florida State. And Ari, Ari, we haven't talked much Florida State lately. You know, they made waves last year because at one point they had two five stars committed. Obviously, Travis Hunter didn't end up not signing. But with uh, with what Miami's doing, new coach at Florida, we haven't. You know, what, what are your th- just thoughts on Florida State? They're just kind of there right now. Well, the first thing I'll say is that in order for the parity to return in college football, it's definitely going to be a recalibration of the way the top 100 shakes out. And you and I did the math earlier this week, and it was 50 of the top 100 players, so half. I know you all could figure that out on your own, but I feel like I'm good at math when I do stuff like that. Um, Went to four schools, only four schools, and you know what the four are, I didn't have to list them. And like that, to me, is insane. So... You know, the one point that, when we'll get to Florida State in a second, but as it pertains to Miami, if Mario Cristobal is going to start recruiting nationally as well, I don't think it really matters where they're from. I think all that matters is is if they're in the top 100. So if Miami goes up and takes a top 100 player, not that Antonio Tripp is, but just an example, out of Texas or out of, you know, Maryland or wherever, and it's not in Florida, it's still one less national top 100 player that's going to go to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, or but, A&M. So, true, but but your point has been, rightfully so, is these new coaches protecting their turf. Yes, absolutely. Because That's always Alabama be the main has tenet. made a living in Florida. So I agree with your point right there. It's just a top 100 player not going to one of those schools and going to Miami is good. But if we're looking at long-term parity, what sure, we really need sure. is these schools to get the top 100 sure. players in their own backyard. But what we know about Mario Cristobal is that he was one of the best national recruiters in America. So and like now he has can, ties if, in the Northwest, can, which he didn't yes. have before. And if he can do that in Miami, keep kids home more often, and then also go out and pluck a few more, that's how Miami becomes a playoff team, but it's also how Alabama gets brought down to earth a little bit. So, you know, in Ohio State and some of these, these other schools that keep kind of hoarding the talent. So what do I think about Florida State? I don't know what to think because the Travis Hunter thing really took the wind out of my sails. You know, like I, you know this, I I wrote a story about how Travis Hunter was going to single-handedly make Florida State cool again, and he stuck to his commitment. We all thought he was going to flip to Georgia because he was from Georgia for like four months leading into signing day, and then he, he did what he did, and it was just like, man, Florida State really could have used, because Travis Hunter is by far the best player in last year's class, and like I don't know how much people know about the way he plays the game, but he's a better defensive back than every defensive back, and he's a better receiver than every receiver in last year's class. And the fact that he's going to Jackson State is certainly remarkable for that for its own set of reasons, but like I thought that he was the biggest, most significant commitment that Florida State could have gotten, not only because he was the number one player in the country, but that he wasn't from Florida, you know? And, you know, what do I think about Florida State? I think that they are way behind with recruiting head coaches the other two major powers in their own state, not to mention Alabama, Georgia, and everybody else who's recruiting Florida. So I'm not that high right now. And I was really high a year ago uh, on what they were doing and where they were headed when 
half of their class was top 150 players. But as we all know, it didn't turn out that way. And they still held, uh, held on to Sam McCall, and they got A.J. Duffy, who I was confused with the um, player that signed at quarterback position with Vanderbilt. What's his name again? A.J. Swan. They're the same person in my brain. So, like, you might see an A.J. Duffy in the story that I file later. Okay. I'll Please need to pay attention. Me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they did get a you know a top two hundred quarterback and you know they've got some pieces there but they're not you know they're not nearly and and I also know too didn't they bring in like ten or eleven transfers so like maybe that'll work out for them but Florida and State they're in the is, ACC which is I mean obviously yeah. in the same division as Clemson but it's far more forgiving yeah and they they signed the fourth best class in the ACC last year so. Um, you know, I don't think that it's like a dumpster fire, but like as we're, you know, a lot of times on the show when we're talking about like parity and national powers and evening the playoff field and all that stuff, like I don't know that Florida State factors into that equation. And I don't know that the commitment that Miami got this week really factors into that either. So, right. It, we usually talk on this show, we talk about like when teams are doing really good or really bad. That's why we haven't talked about Florida State lately. Yeah, they're just kind of like, sort of, eh. They're just there. They're, 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 they're getting some good players, but they're not. And purgatory is the worst place, man. In yeah. my opinion, like if I were a beat writer at one of these schools, like the last, you'd rather cover a two and ten team or a ten and two. I'd team. rather lose. Yeah, I'd rather cover a dumpster fire or a national title contender rather than a team that has a fan base that's just kind of like, eh, you know. So, and that's it's a shame that happened to Florida State, and I, I can only imagine how hard of a job it's going to be for Mike Norvell to get that back. But I don't know that Travis Hunter flip to me, and, and tell me if you think I'm over exaggerating it. It did seem to me like a very, it's like somebody shot a golden, uh, a bald eagle. You know what I mean? Like, it's like kind of like <laughs> the, the the whole thing of like, this guy was a symbolic, you know, influential commitment that was supposed to be the, the, the sign or the mascot even uh, for the rebuild of Florida State. And then he bailed and was just like, oh my God, all my wind yeah. is out of my sails. And it's just like, I know it's only one player and one player isn't going to save a program. But it was supposed to be the thing that was like the stick in or the line in the sand, the stick that drew that line in the sand that said, "Hey, the things are going to be different now," and it didn't happen. So it kind of it kind of stinks for Florida State, in my opinion. Yeah, the the one thing I'll say there is it stinks for Florida State that you don't want to sugarcoat it, but it's not. It wasn't a Florida State thing. It like, was not. No. He went to Jackson State because he had his reasons for going to Jackson State. That's right. It wasn't like at the last minute he got cold feet and said, I don't believe in this rebuild. I'm going to Georgia. I'm going to Alabama. I'm going to Florida. That would have been much more difficult for Florida State fans to handle. Well, what we know about Travis Hunter, you know, with the story that we worked on together is that... The lone wolf. He wanted to do something different, and he picked Florida State because he thought that was different, which is Florida yeah. State's fault. You know, yeah. the fact that Florida State was in a position where they were like the, the cool, different place to go... Uh, is probably a uh, negative mark on their program. Yeah. But the fact that he flipped to Jackson State was just him doubling down on wanting to do something different. So, right. like, I don't fault Mike Norvell for losing him. You know, I don't know that Nick Saban would have lost him or a team that, you know, has... I think anybody would have lost him. I mean, we don't know. I think... No, I'm saying, like, I, if, if if he were committed to Bama, then that would I know what you're a, saying. That wouldn't have been an attractive alternative. Like the fact that Jackson State was an attractive alternative to Florida State is like a not it's not a good thing for Florida State. I think State it was program. a Jackson State thing. I, I don't think I'm not saying that it. it wasn't. I'm just saying right. that Florida State offered something that somebody that would be enticed by Jackson State's sales pitch would also see in them. Does that make sense? Mm, I disagree. I, I just think it, no matter where he was well, committed. Screw you then, Mitch. I mean what 
Are we supposed to, I'm supposed to agree? Ari, that's a fantastic point. As always, I think you're <laughs> spot on with your analysis. No, yeah, maybe um, I'm off. Maybe you know. Sometimes when I when I come up with these these theories, it happens. You know, maybe um, I'm wrong. But all right, let's move on. Uh, uh, we're going to talk to Sam more about this specific case, but a big blow to TCU. Rashad Samples mm-hmm. referenced this last week. Their outstanding running backs coach and outstanding recruiter who was with Sonny Dykes at SMU is off to the Los Angeles Rams. Last week we talked in the we framed it as are these coaches going to the NFL because it's too hard to be a college football coach now because recruiting sucks. We're not going to talk about it in those in that light, but w- when Sam comes on, well, the funniest thing wanna... about that, Mitch, is that Samples was like supposedly an ace recruiter. Yeah, that's 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 what so I mean. Like, it's a th- it, it, the question is. Did he go to the NFL because he's making more money or because that's where he wants to be? Or did he just not like recruiting even though he was really good at it? And what I've come to find in in my time covering recruiting is that the people who are the best at it tend to like it. So I, I'm very curious. Well, you can like Sam's something team. and still decide that I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, too. like this podcast, for instance. Yeah. Are we done now? No, like I really like doing it. But like if okay. you push me and disagree with me, <laughs> I might not want to do it anymore. Okay, well, I'll, I'll start agreeing with everything yeah. you say. But I want to frame this, and I want to talk to Sam because he's covered recruiting for so long. And I think it's interesting. You and Bill have talked about it on your Ohio State podcast. I think we talked about it when Bill were here. The, the Weighing the importance of an assistant coach versus the head coach in recruiting. You know, a guy like Samples got all the credit for bringing some of those kids to, into the fold at SMU. They had, what, like a bunch of four stars who've recently since flipped to TCU. So I want to ask Sam about specifically the blow to TCU, and then we can all talk about the, the importance of uh, assistant coaches. Two five-star quarterbacks were on the move um, this past weekend. Dante Moore, who uh, I singled out last week as the quarterback I'm most intrigued with in the 2002-2023 class uh, from Detroit. Five-star was at LSU last weekend. And then five-star quarterback Nico, have we, is it I'm Oliva? Is that, is that what we're going with? I think that that is as close as we're going to get. Okay, we'll 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 investigate. We'll do some. I mean, it took reporting. halfway through DJ Uyunglele's first year at yeah. Clemson for me to get that one right. So yeah, you so know, and it's, it's not, not just because, me. It's not because we don't know the name. It's because it's just a hard name to pronounce. So that's just something you have yeah, to and you want to get it right too. That's the thing. Like I would just call him DJ U just because I wouldn't want to botch his name. Um, so so Nico from California visited Tennessee last week with his family and it and just got sounds a crystal familiar. ball on, on Wednesday to Tennessee. Yeah, this is if this if, when there was a lot of uh, smoke towards Oregon earlier. Mm-hmm. If this sounds familiar, he was mentioned in David Ubbins story on Tennessee's NIL collective. The guys that ran that collective um, evidently made a presentation to Nico. Um, so that's going to be interesting because Tennessee, I mean, they, we, we've talked, they haven't recruited maybe like we expected them to after this really nice first season under Josh Heupel and a fun offense. But if you're a quarterback, you have to look at that offense and be like, I, I want to play for Tennessee. Would you agree? I think if I were a quarterback, I'd be like, I want to play in the NFL. And then I would look elsewhere. Okay. But yes, okay. I, I think that... That's fair. So do you think it's because ten, you're saying Tennessee, that offense isn't NFL friendly? No, no, I'm sure it is. Um it might not w- be. If I were a five-star quarterback, I would only go play for a coach that has recently developed a quarterback that was a five-star I, into a draft. See, court, I mean, I'm not, not to get into the whole thing about the draft, but look at the NFL. I, I think that's overrated. I mean, good quarterbacks are going to be drafted, and I'm not going to say everyone's like Josh Allen, but if you're a good quarterback, you're going to play in the NFL. I mean, I it's crazy you when you think about where all the best quarterbacks in the country went in the NFL. Like, it's funny. You just you made the point in your mailbag. Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech. I mean, yeah, just, Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. Uh, junior college and then Cal. Yeah. Who else? Let's do this. That's fun. 
Um, Everybody. I mean, a lot of them. Matt Stafford I mean, I, went to that crappy school, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't um, win a national title. I just need to like look at a list of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, we don't need to. Re- it's well known that a lot of the starting I know, quarterbacks. But I think it's kind of interesting, don't you? Jimmy G went to Eastern Illinois. His successor, Trey Lance, went to North Dakota State. Michigan, Arizona. Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. Justin Herbert went to Oregon. Joe Burrow, LSU. Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. Wyoming. Yeah, it's all over the place. Dak Prescott went to Mississippi State. So if you're a quarterback. was Fresno State, right? Yeah. 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 So rescind your comment before. No, I'm just telling you what I would do. I would if okay. I were a five star well, prospect. Because you like the glamour, you like the glitz. You're all about. No, I want to get know. paid, bud. Like who okay. the best? Well, if quarterback? you're good, you'll get paid eventually. You'll get paid eventually. No, I know, um, but like when you're a five star quarterback, though, don't you think you want to go to a place that has a penchant for consistently turning out NFL picks? I just think it's just an easier. I'm not saying maybe that, you're maybe you're too young. Back in my day, Tennessee was a pretty good program that yeah, well, had great quarterbacks. Back in your day, black and white movies were popular. I mean, it doesn't mean that. Oh, that's, that's funny. No, you're actually only like seven years older than me. No, I'm more much more. How old are you? Thirty four. How old do you think I am? I wish I were only forty one. Oh, I thought you were like forty five or something. I'm fifty. Yeah, well, you I know old. I look good for. I, I look you do good look for good. 50. He runs yeah. a lot, guys, and he doesn't eat gluten. Matt Ryan <laughs> went to Boston College. Yeah. So. Yeah. T- Taylor Heineke, Heineke, whatever. You know what would be an interesting Old story. Dominion. You know what would be an interesting story, and then we can get to what? Sam because I think he's just yeah. sitting there waiting for you. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how, like, if you go look at like where the best quarterbacks in the NFL went how it's kind of random I wonder if you compared which teams had the most quarterbacks drafted if there would be I bet you would still be the big five well there's been a lot of USC quarterbacks drafted that didn't pan out you know it's a lot of it's because I I, maybe I'm just lazy but I feel like all I would want to do is just get the money I think you're just lazy I don't I don't know that I would I would want to put myself in a position where I knew that I was more likely to get paid at the end of the road I, I would look at more just style of offense conducive to the NFL. Now, that's changed a lot because NFL teams are playing more college-friendly offenses. But I, but I can see, there, is there a school of thought that says Josh Heupel's offense where you're snapping the ball 100 times a game isn't conducive to NFL uh, development? But we could talk about this later. Let's, yeah, but I also again, feel like I would want to go somewhere that has a bunch of awesome skill talent around me. Okay, which okay. I think is a good segue to Texas. Speaking of awesome skill talent, yeah, let's talk to Sam. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As promised, we're bringing in Sam Khan Jr. Do you, I know that's your official name, Sam. Like you want to be known as Sam Khan Jr. Yeah, it doesn't matter as long as somebody calls my name correctly and spells it 
close to correct that I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. I think I spelled it wrong once. I was uh, editing okay. something and I got a note. Hey, you spelled... I think Max said, by the way, Sam's last name is spelled wrong. I was like, well, Oh, okay. No, it's fine. It's like misspelling uh, John Elway's name. How do you misspell the great one? <laughs> well, you got K-A-H-K-H-A. K-A-H-N is actually a pretty common spelling. Uh, yeah. So, so there you go. So, yeah, it's easy to it's easy to flip. I know how to spell tongue of Iloa because I have respect for his game. I know how to <laughs> okay. I know how to respect. So spell you're saying your, I don't respect Sam's work? I think that you okay, need to well, start respecting it more. I will. On that note, okay. <laughs> let's. Uh, as we talked about earlier, Sam has been with the Athletic for about a y- fifteen months. Sam, is that it? Uh, no, actually, my one year anniversary is coming up in about a week. Okay, great. So, uh, hired yeah. as our tech expert, uh, covers the state of Texas, covers recruiting. Basically, in the state of Texas, state of Texas has covered college football in the state of Texas for a long time. We brought you on for one reason. You're going to tell us right now where Arch Manning is going. <laughs> oh, I wish I was that good. Uh, yeah, if you if you made me pick an odds-on favorite, gosh, it's hard. I, I know everybody has their own opinions. I still think Sark's in a really good spot. Really, with Arch, I really do. I really do think Texas is in a good spot. I guess the question is, what does Arch want? And what do the Mannings want in terms of the situation? And, and I think, I mean, I, I would imagine he's going to make his commitment before they hit the field this season. So we have no idea what Texas football is going to look like before he commits. I, I would assume, I would assume he's committing before this fall. So we're not going to be able to see how much improvement is there at, at Texas. But I will say that just based on the relationship that I know that Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milley have made. With Arch, that they're in a really, really good spot with him, and they they feel good about where they are. What's the sales pitch there, Sam? I think it's Sark's ability to develop a quarterback. His history. I mean, you look at the guys that he has developed and coached over the years, going all the way back to his USC days: Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, Mark Sanchez, of course, the Alabama guys, Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa. There, there's a long litany of great passers, and Sark was a quarterback himself. I mean, a highly successful. Passer in the in the late nineties at BYU, uh, you know, led them to a fourteen one record back in ninety six. So he is a big time quarterback teacher, and obviously, I think he's they're going to be in the SEC in a few years. So if you want to play in the SEC, obviously you can go to Alabama, you can go to Georgia, but but Texas will be there too. And then also, he can be the piece to the rebuilding puzzle and getting them get them back to where Texas believes it belongs. I have does to the ask fact this that question, Quinn Ewers is there. Yeah. Okay, go okay. ahead. Take yeah, care does of the it. fact yeah. that Quinn Ewers is there affect his decision at all? Now he's Quinn by graduating early, in theory, could leave after the twenty twenty three season, so there would only be one year of overlap. But I think wherever Arch goes, there's pretty much going to be a five star quarterback waiting for him. Yeah, yeah. That that's just reality. I mean that's just life these days. And so if you're going to be a top 25 program, you're going to have a big time quarterback already on your roster in most cases when you recruit one. So I don't, I don't, I don't get the sense that that's going to affect Arch that much. You know, the, the, they understand that you're going to have to compete. They understand there's going to be big time guys. And again, we don't even know, we don't even know if Quinn Ewers is going to start in September. We if really he does don't. It, like, I'm going to drive my car off the side of the road. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Are you going to be yeah, wearing I your seatbelt? But yeah, so I'm, tell, I'm telling safety. you, the way the way Sark handled the quarterback battle last year, I know it was a different circumstances and different guys, but Hudson Card is still back. I I have a hard time thinking that he's going to start Quinn Ewers against Alabama. I really wow. do. Are, I really do. You're you're 
everything Ari stands for in this world, you're just shooting down. I, I do mean, think it's actually <laughs> hilarious, though, that Quinn Ewers is like the biggest name in quarterback recruiting of the last decade. And it only took six months for his name to be less important than the guy they're recruiting. It's just like, <laughs> like honestly, when you think about it, like Quinn Ewers last year, like that was it. Like that was the guy, you know? And it's just mm-hmm. like, name another player at the quarterback position in the last five years that got as much attention as, and maybe part of it was because he was, you know, the 1.00 rating, you know? And damn. And then if like, Hudson Card starts over Quinn Ewers, Ari, you have, you got to look in the mirror and think what, what you're, which think well, about what you're th- all about. I do think that it's interesting, though. And you have to, you know, like this whole thing of Quinn Ewers was brilliant because he went to Ohio State first and got a bunch of NIL money, then transferred to a place that he could play early. And it's just like, I think it's an interesting lesson of don't use that transfer too soon, boys. Because, like, I'm not saying that Quinn, U- Quinn Ewers might win the Heisman there. Who knows? But if Arch Manning does pick Texas, and he is what he's being billed as, there is a chance that Quinn Ewers will be eating bench and doesn't have a choice but to stay for a while. And if that happens, that's might be the cautionary tale of if you're going to transfer, maybe don't do it six months after your first stop. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too is I don't think it's important who starts in September. I think it's important who finishes in True. November, December. Yeah. And remember, Hudson Card won the job in training camp last year. And then after two games, he was out and Casey Thompson came in and finished the season. It, it would not be without the realm of possibility of uh, something similar happening this time around. Now, you would expect Hudson to be better. He's obviously going to know the offense a little bit more. He's had more time in it. And that's going to give him a leg up and an advantage in this race. But w- what happens if they get their blow- doors blown off, as I think we would expect, at least at this point in the year, by Alabama in September? It, there, there's going to be a clamor and probably for a change if if they struggle out of the game. Who are we so, kidding? They're going to lose. I yeah. would lose with the freshman if that were me. Like If I were the coach, I want Quinn Ewer's first taste of big-time college football to be against the best possible team that they could place. That way he has that experience and he knows exactly what it – I mean, I don't know. You're going to lose either way. So are you? do you, <laughs> do you want the person who starts to leave the game and then never come back and his experience be wasted? Or would you rather – him be a freshman who might be able to show you that he's the future of the program, even in a loss. I mean, I'm going to say two things about that. So, number one, Hudson Card kind of went through that last year with Arkansas. Like, he was a redshirt freshman and went out there in Fayetteville and looked like a deer in the headlights. And now, that wasn't just on him. There was a lot of other stuff going on. The offensive line was terrible that night. But it didn't look good. And I wonder how what that does to a quarterback psyche. We got so many of these young guys starting, and I wonder – I wonder if that still lingers with him. And then number two, you talk about throwing the freshman against against Alabama. They once upon a time threw a true freshman out there against Alabama. 2009 uh, title game, Garrett Gilbert came in for Colt McCoy. Played great. And looked, looked really good. And then, you know, we know what happened after that, the season afterward. And I, and I was a big Garrett Gilbert believer. I, I still am one of those guys who wonders why it didn't work out because I, Garrett Gilbert was it one looked of the like best he was be the football next. quarterbacks I ever saw. Yeah. I mean – Without question. And, and, I mean, I remember having a conversation with Mike Leach years ago, and he said, boy, if he goes, we'd come to Texas Tech, he goes, we'd have won a lot of games together, you know. And uh, But I Texas has seen that happen. So I And I think Sark is really cognizant of quarterback psyche. You know, we, we ha- I had that conversation with him last year about does he fear throwing a guy out there too early. And so because of that, and also remember, it's the but same But the fear is about damaging keep- the player or not losing or winning the game, right? 
I think, well, I mean, you're going to do what you have to do to win. And, and ultimately, that's what they But my case year. is that they're not going to win no matter what. So why not get the kid to get right, the Right, but you know they're not going to think that. And Sark's not going to think that way. He's not going to play it that way. That's just that's just what coaches are. They're competitive. They're not going yeah, no, to not gonna go in there thinking they're going to get their head beat. And now if he was the coach of Rice and playing Alabama, then yes, he would say. I mean, it might as well be if we're being honest in. here. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, the score could end up that way. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. And like, I'm not a coach. And I'm like, I guess my job is to like talk about things that people are entertained by. So maybe that's just that. But like, I don't know, man. Quinn Ewers is the South Lake dude. He, I don't was think gonna, right. he was going to burn you for Ohio State. He goes to the Midwest. He makes his lem- his kombucha tea money or however much he made. He didn't <laughs> like the cold. He had two handoffs as a Buckeye, and he's returning back to Texas to lead the way. It's like that guy, in my opinion, should be the symbolic savior of your program. And like, if he is good, if he is even 75% as good as the guys in front of him from day one, I would just let him ride. Like that's just that's just my thing. Yeah, and maybe that's well, wrong. Ivero could play both of them. I mean, he did it. He did it last year with Card and Thompson. He played them both in the first two games. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if he did the same. Yeah, and there's no right answer. I mean, everyone's psyche and mentality is different. Ari, the school of thought says you, you lose to Alabama 41 to three, and then you bring in Quinn Ewers the next week, and he plays well with a lot of confidence, and then he gets rolling. So, uh, you know, it's definitely obviously going to be a storyline to watch. But that would be that would be really crappy to like bench your quarterback. After, it happens. Uh, you no, know, no. I mean, like, just saying, like, it's yeah, like I know. not the quarterback. Like, you, could, you couldn't do well against Alabama, so I'm going to bench you. you All right, Mitch, you <laughs> can move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I yeah. know we have, we have to move on. Yeah. We, we, we didn't bring when – I, when I made the Arch Manning comment, I was just half kidding and thought we'd move on in 30 seconds. But, of course, I know. I'm sorry we had, an, Texas, inter- Texas, I'm sorry so we we had an interesting conversation. Yeah, for no, that's minutes. great. That's great. Okay. All right, you spent – By the well, way, they have UTSA the week after Alabama, so that's no gimme either. That is a game. My advice to Sark, do not lose that game. No. <laughs> Do not lose that game. I don't care how many quarterbacks you have lined up. All right, uh, Sam, you've spent some time with Sonny Dykes over the years, and one of the more fascinating coaching moves I think we've seen in college football, I know SMU isn't on the, the same league as TCU, and it's not like conference rivals, but those are two schools that clearly don't like each other, and we saw what happened on the field this year, and Sonny's like, ah, I'll just go to the other school because I think you know I'll get paid a little bit more and I can win. My question to you is, what's the ceiling for him at – TCU, can he ever, can they get into that sphere where they're, I know they're on occasion they'll out-recruit a Texas or a Texas A&M, but can they ever elbow their way in into that group? I don't think on a consistent level they, they can ever recruit at that level because I think you, what you said was right. They're, they're going to win some battles with the Texases and the Texas A&Ms and the Oklahomas. And, and they've done that in the past with Gary Patterson, uh, GP was able to beat some of those schools for some guys over the years. And then, of course, even at SMU, I mean, Sonny and, and sure. company, they, they got Jordan Hudson, who was an Oklahoma commit, who Texas would have absolutely taken. Chase Biddle, four-star safety. A lot of schools would have taken that guy. Um, so they will be able to get some guys like that. But will they be able to consistently do it? I don't think so. Not not at the level that Texas and Texas A&M are doing, mainly because – and I, I hate to say it so explicitly, but are they going to have the financial backing to do it? You know what I mean? And yeah. When, we, when we're in this NIL era with the collectives and, and the money that's getting doled out, now TCU does have a ton of financial backing. They do have well po- deep-pocketed boosters. They do have a ton of resources. But Texas and Texas A&M are going to be in the SEC, and the money there, we already see what it is now. It's going to be even better. 
in the Big 12, there's going to be a revenue gap there. There's no question. So, and and Dick Lowe, rest in peace, the famed TCU oil tycoon and booster who uh, who was one of the most generous donors they had passed in 2020. I don't know who the next Dick Lowe is, so to speak, uh, at TCU, but they're, I don't know that they're going to have financial backing to do it at that level. But they will be competitive, and I do think their ceiling as a program is potentially the best in the new Big 12. I think with you look at what they have from a recruiting base, you look at what they have from boosters, resources, uh, their branding, and, and the way they've succeeded under Patterson since they moved to the Big 12, I think they have the potential to be in that mix with Oklahoma State, Baylor, for one of the best programs in the Big 12 moving forward once Texas and OU are out. Now, one thing, you talked about getting all those guys, Hudson, Biddle. I'm sure Richard Samples had a big hand in that. And Ari and I have talked about this a lot on the pod, the role of assistant coaches. To me, this is one of the biggest blows for a program this cycle, losing Richard Samples to the NFL. It's kind of a twofold thing here. We, we talked about last week, do you think assistant coaches are bolting to the NFL because recruiting has become so much more difficult? And how much... How important was Rashad Samples specifically to what TCU had or what SMU had been doing and now TCU? Oh, I'll take the second one first. Samples was critical. I mean, he was the guy for them, and especially for a lot of the Dallas guys because he's a Dallas kid. You know, his his dad's been a long time uh, high school coach in the Dallas area, Reggie Samples. Uh, that that kid is Dallas through and through, and the bond that he had with recruits was incredible it was strong it was and he, you know he speaks their language he he relates to them and he worked his ass off to get guys like Hudson and Biddle in the boat and so he was critical for them it is a huge loss for TCU there's no question and I, I don't know that Rashad's uh move as necessarily relates to workload and, and stuff like that but there is no doubt and I've talked to a lot of assistants over the last few weeks as I've worked on some other stories is I've asked the question, is there some burnout going on? And th- there's no doubt. There's a lot of coaches that are getting a little burned out because, and not even just coaches, it's coaches, it's support staffs, you know, creative departments, recruiting, you know, personnel <laughs> departments. There is so much to do now that as compared to what there was five or even five years ago, definitely 10 years ago, that that's why these support staffs are so big now because you have to have somebody handle all this stuff because you put everything on a handful of people. It's too much. And the the quality of life and what you have to do recruiting 365, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that, that wears on you, especially if you've been older. Rashad's young. He's 26. He, 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 oh, wow. I, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a young guy, but, but the guys who've been in it for a while and who've done it the other way and now are doing it this way, there's no doubt for some of them, it's it's wearing on him. So is, when, when is he going to be the running backs coach slash uh, co-offensive coordinator at Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> Two years? Great, great question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It depends. We'll have to see. I, I don't know what his want, what he yeah, wants his who, future to be. I, I always say we never know what makes a guy tick. Like he might yeah. look at the NFL and say, I want to be an offensive coordinator. You know, I, I want, or I love recruiting. I want to go back to college. Ari looks a little lonely there. Ari, hey, I know for, you like to talk. Hey, so do, are do, we, you, do, is there something you want to bring up with our guest? You know, I live in I'm Dallas sucking up now. all the oxygen. No, no, no. <laughs> Mitch is taking all my thunder. He's I know. It's very rare. He's talking too much about Quinn Ewers, and now he's like blackballing me in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Floor's I, yours. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Proud Dallasite for 18 months now. 
when I drive around Dallas, am I going to start seeing TCU billboards that say the same thing as the SMU ones? And it's like, is Sonny Dykes' whole thing basically just translating the plan that he had at SMU at TCU? And like, does that make sense to you? Or is that what he had to do at a smaller school? And now that he's in a power five situation, it can be different. Like, I know you're working on a story about this, right? Yeah, actually, I did, I did one in January about the, the, he said basically the blueprint is. Or you should read Sam's work; it's pretty good. No, but I, on <laughs> smart sheets, believe it or not, didn't you say you're going to do an embed about the building of a recruiting department and like what they're trying to do? That's an SMU. That's an SMU. Okay, well, how about I yeah. just leave the podcast? <laughs> no, or your question was really good. If you would have stopped after asking the question, it would have worked perfectly. Yeah, tell me but about then the, you put your foot in the mouth twice. Tell me about the billboards, uh, bud. <laughs> yeah, no, it, the, the the blueprint's the same, uh, and he is definitely now. Yes, it did. That's what it took to work at SMU, but he's going to take the same philosophy to TCU, and that that's what they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on DFW. Uh, they they are going to recruit a little bit outside, and they're going to use the same transfer philosophy that they take, which is try to get bounce back guys from from their region or guys that have a connection to the staff. Uh, but yeah, it'll be Dallas Fort Worth, a little bit of East Texas, a little bit of North Louisiana down the I-20 corridor, and, you know, that that's pretty much going to be the focus for them. And I think it's a smart strategy, honestly. For them, uh, I think it's a wise strategy, and I think it makes sense. Now, you, d- you have to find somebody to replace Rashad, and you're gonna as a staff, you're going to have to, you know, continue to recruit at a high level. They also lost Chidera Uzo-Duribe from – he was a defensive line coach, and he went to Georgia. That guy was also a young rising star for them and, and a really good recruiter. So he replaced him with Jamarcus McFarland, familiar name, anybody who's covered recruiting for a long time around here, uh, who Jamarcus was at SFA and did a really good job, but they got to find a replacement for Rashad. And that's going to be imperative on Sonny is ensuring his staff is still filled with dynamite recruiters because uh, that's that's the way you win. Obviously, as you know, Ari, stars matter. (laughs) Do they? They do. All right. Joey McGuire at uh, Tech. He's got a lot of early commitments. And I'm sure that's his strategy. It's a good strategy. He's ranked. He's high up in the rankings right now because you know those reflected by the amount of commitments. Where, where does he fit in the food chain in Texas? You know, I asked could TCU elbow its way into that upper tier. You know, Texas Tech has been a program that historically has not recruited very well. They they overachieved in the Mike Leach era, and recently they have not recruited well. Obviously, in the Matt Wells era. What, what do you see from McGuire? Obviously, off to a great start though. Yeah, first of all, I look here at the rankings right now, the 247 team rankings on March 9th, 2022, and I realize it's early in the 23 yeah. cycle. Number two, Texas Tech is number two in the country. Well, that's Down how you the get 12, there. You get a country. lot of commitments early, then you can brag yeah. about having a top five class for a few Right, months. right. And so, but even so, they've got four four stars, which is impressive, yes. So, for, especially for Texas Tech. So, obviously, that's not sustainable for them. I would love to. I would as much as I love Joe McGuire. I would love to say that it is sustainable for them, but it's not. Uh, but that said, can I interject here real quick? I just want to say go, a go stat. for it. Um, go for it. Right now, Texas Tech's average player rating is like eighty-eight point oh one or something, mm-hmm. and that is very similar to many of the top twenty classes from last year. So I don't. I don't good. know what. I don't know where it's going to end up. It's certainly not going to be a top ten class, but it's not a top 40 class in disguise right now. Like he's actually getting some guys in there that are rated pretty high. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. And so here's the thing. Someone asked me this a while back is what's the ceiling for them. And my, my, my answer was top 25, 30 class. 
So the highest ranked class that Texas Tech has had in the modern era is 19th. They In 2011, their class finished 19th. In post-Mike Leach, they've only been in the top 40 four times. Wow. So, so if you're in the top 25 or 30 at Tech, that's really good. I think that is probably... If you finish this class in the top 25, I think that's a massive win for them. And do I think he can do it? Yes, I do. Because I love the staff he put together. I think uh, some of the guys he brought on, guys like Zarnell Fitch, who was a D-line coach at TCU, Kenny Perry, who was at SMU, has been a longtime Texas high school coach, Emmett Jones, who was at Kansas. I think he brought some really good guys. And then Joey himself just is, I think I've used the term walking or human espresso shot. He's a bundle of energy and he'll, I've, I've noticed some things that they've done on the trail that I think are really smart. And I think, I think they have potential to be a top 25, top 30, but I don't know that I would say that they'd ever get into that tier into that top 15 or top 10 or even top, you know, 17, 18 top tier. I think that's, that's a stretch I think for tech, but I think if you can get top 25, I think that's really, really good. Can I, what, what do you I think? ask something, Mitch? Yeah, go ahead. Ari. Off of Texas tech. So we got a question in the mailbag a few weeks ago, and Mitch, you can remind me of some of the ones. But what are the programs that have uh, done the most with the least amount? And and I think that equates to really good evaluation and uncovering uh, gems in you know or gems in the rough or however you want to put it. And like can Texas Tech with McGuire at the helm be a team that all of a sudden is in the current? landscape of the Big 12, not after Oklahoma and Texas leave, but now be a team that all of a sudden is sitting at 10-1 and one at the end of the year because they got seven or eight guys over the course of two or three years that are really, really good, and that his like, could he be the Michigan State or the Iowa State or whatever of his generation, I guess, or this next few years? I want to piggyback from that question because I was going to ask a very similar question, Ari. So now you hire a coach who is known as for his recruiting chops. I mean, Joey McGuire could be a great X and O's guys. We don't really know. He's spent most of his career in high school. So now he's doing the part where you hired him to do is bring the guys in. Now you got to coach him up. But you're going against a guy like Sonny Dykes who has proven he can coach him up. In, in Iowa State, you know, they, they've proven they can coach him up. So uh, kind of just like what Ari said there, like that's that's going to be the pressure. Once you get the players, you got to prove that you can, you can coach them up. And I also up. think there's a distinction between – I guess being hired for his recruiting chops is different than being hired because he knows everybody. So like, I still think he has to prove that he has recruiting chops and can use those. But like, I see what you're saying. It was a recruiting first hire. How's this for yeah, a question? No, no. We, we asked him a question. You asked him, then I followed up the question, then you followed up with another question. So <laughs> Stars matter, Probably maybe. not podcasting one-on-one there, but Sam, answer our three so, questions. So, so I would say that the way I de- deem this hire was a culture hire. Uh, because... You, you're not – no one's known Joey for X's and O's. Not to say that he isn't good at it. It's just that's not his reputation. His reputation is his personality, his energy, and kind of the culture he's going to bring. But to Ari's point is the fact that he knows everybody, that is the linchpin because in Texas, the ecosystem and recruiting down here is very much filtered down from Texas high school coaches. And that's his background is he was – heavily involved in the Texas High School Coach Association. He's even using it to brand his program as we're the unofficial home, college home of the THSCA. Uh, So I think that's smart, and that's going to help him. He's got multiple guys on his staff that do that. Can they turn into a team? Essentially, I think what you're asking, Ari, when you say that that way is, can he turn into their next Mike Leach in terms of on-field success? 
which is they're a good team consistently, and every now and then you look and oh man, they won ten or eleven games, which I think Mike went eleven and two in that 08 season. I think he's got the potential. I really do because I think his personality fits Lubbock. I think he understands, and then working under Matt Rule at Baylor, I think helped him a lot. I think he got a lot of the blueprint there on how to succeed at the college level, how to build a program from the ground up because Matt did it at Temple and he did it at Baylor. So I think you take that blueprint, you take with his understanding of the Texas high school landscape. I don't ever think they're going to be a national championship contender in the new Big 12, maybe they're a conference championship contender. But I do think he's got long-term potential to succeed there at a high level if he can retain staff, if he can recruit at the level that, not necessarily at the level he's doing now, but if he can recruit consistently well based on his effort and everything that he understands and and the way he buys into that place, I think he does have the potential to be kind of their fix-it guy. Like as opposed to they've been cycling through three coaches since Leach got fired. I think he's got the potential to stop that and be there for 10 years and, and do really, really well. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One thing we like to talk about on this podcast and Ari likes to write about is just kind of geography, you know, the dynamics of a state, the dynamics of a region. You live in Houston. You've covered recruiting in that area a long time. Texas A&M cleaned up in Houston. Is Houston an A&M town now? Has it, how long has it been? Was it a one-year wonder? Can LSU come back in? Can Texas get in there? And obviously not every Houston kid's going to A&M, but, you know, the there's talent there every year, and if A&M can kind of be the – Houston own that town, it's it's good sign going forward. Yeah, for the last three cycles or so, I think going back to the Kenyon Green class in 2019, Jimbo and them have done a really good job in Houston, and that's kind of been their unofficial home base, so to speak. They've done a really good job of time mining it, but it, th- I don't think you'll ever be able to completely own it just because LSU is always going to have a presence here. Texas is obviously always going to have a presence here. Uh, Alabama is always going to have a presence here. Uh, that that's that. There's no getting around that. And 
And this, the, the interesting thing to me is this became, this used to be a Big 12 town many, many years ago. And then when AM went to the SEC, it became an SEC town, at least in terms of where the talent goes. But yeah, right now they have it. And, and I think a lot of it depends too on what they do on the field. If they, if they, f- you know, don't have a disappointing season this year like they did last year, I would, I would deem eight and four last year disappointing. Uh, if they can get back to nine or 10 wins and, start building toward actually being an SEC title contender than they can. But, you know, Texas, Texas has been has done a good job of fighting for guys here too. So right now it's A&M's, and right now A&M has owned it, I think, for a little while. And it's some Texas is going to have to do something on the field for that to shift in their way. But like I said, LSU and Alabama are only going to continue to be in here. And, and now that Texas is moving to SEC – this is going to be like a completely SEC you think town. Tech- I mean, you're going to oh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. Uh, no, as I say, T- TCU and Tech and Houston will get their guys. In. And Houston's going to be interesting how they factor in when they move yeah. to the Big Twelve. I'm curious to see how that pays off for them in the city. Uh, but but uh, but this is but the SEC is going to dominate really the state of Texas once Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC. Can A and M sustain recruiting nationally the way that they just did it? I think as long as Jimbo Fisher's there, they can because he has recruited nationally, you know, when he was at Florida State. And that's been his strategy ever since he's been here. He was not really the type to just I, I talked to just talked about Joey McGuire being ingratiated with the high school coaches. Jimbo has done a good job of building relationships with them, but he is gonna do it his way, so to speak. And that means, you know, half of his class is gonna be outside the country because I do not believe, and I'm gonna say something controversial here at least amongst texas people mac brown used to say back in the day that you could win a national championship if you got the 25 best guys from texas every year i don't know if that's the case anymore i I don't know that you can get the d linemen and i mean like interior d linemen and some of the linebacker types that you see at georgia these days i don't know if you can get those guys here at the frequency that you used to because this has become such a perimeter quarterback heavy, you know, receiver skill position state. Uh that there are there are plenty of good linemen, but I don't know that we produced them at the rate that we once did. And so I think you have to recruit nationally, whether you're Texas, whether you're Texas AM, if you are recruiting to win a national championship, I think you have to recruit nationally and and get people elite guys outside of Texas to come. I have to jump in here for two reasons. One the top 25 players in the state of Texas this year are all top 130 players. So if you signed the top 25 kids in Texas, you would have a maybe the number one class in the country. How many are D-tackles? But yeah, I, 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 how I'm many are D-tackles and I'm how many are big I'm not okay. done yet. And I don't know if you remember this. So I don't. first of all, I think it's impossible for anybody to ever get 25 out of 25 out of any state, sure. let alone sure. Texas. But even I think it's impossible for anybody in the state of Texas to get 70% because there's so many teams and it's such a big state and Houston is different than Dallas. It's just not the same. It's not like owning Ohio or Can Don Brown get the top 75 or guys Massachusetts. In, in Massachusetts. It's a very yeah. difficult place. to. But if you remember, Sam, right when you first got hired at The Athletic, we had a long conversation on the phone about story ideas. And there was one that I wanted to pursue. And I don't know if you've written if you've written about it in the past or something that maybe we should team up on in the future. But there's this prevailing question of. Why do they not play defense in the Big 12? And I had a theory that I said to you. And I said, it's my understanding that in the state of Texas, that when one of the when you have an athlete on your team that's certainly superior to everybody else on the team, those guys in the state of Texas tend to be put on the offensive side of the ball. 
which is why those types of teams in the Big 12 have kind of manifested because they're recruiting Texas mostly and most of the best players in Texas are offensive players. Is there mm-hmm. any truth to that? I think so. I agree. I think there is. Actually, it's funny. I went to a clinic in town uh, in College Station a couple weeks back when Jimbo was speaking and he asked the high school coach, he goes, if you've got a, uh, he goes, if you've got a big body, uh, I think well, after I remember what it was, how, how was it he say, said it, but he said, we need more defensive linemen, so to speak, is what the way he was put in it. He goes, if you've got an elite guy at this position and he's not going to be a high-end guy, you know, at this offensive position, he goes, move him to defense. He goes, because we're looking for him. And it's hard to say with, you know, there's 1,400 high schools, 1,500 high schools in the state. So it's hard to say it in a blanket way. But I do think, yeah, generally the best players do here play offensive. They play on offense. They play quarterback. They play receiver. They play left tackle. Uh, but And then you have a lot of edge rushers. I think you get some good edge rushers out of, out of Texas. But you don't have a ton of big guys. At least I don't think that you do as you did in maybe 2005 or 2010 that are big interior linemen that are, like I said, the Jordan Davis is the world. You're not finding those guys. And there's not very many Jordan Davises anywhere. But those types of guys, you're not finding a ton of them. Why do you think – first of all, I just went and added it up while you were talking, and 14 of the top 25 players in Texas in the 2023 cycle are on the defensive side of the ball or listed as athlete, which I think is interesting. But we should go out and add it up over the course of the past decade and write a story about this because I find it to be fascinating. Yeah. That said, why do you think that certain types of players – tend to be from certain areas like what does where you're from have to do with whether you're 6'6 and 375 and can run a five second 40 like I like why can't that person be in Texas or why can't that person be like is it like diet is it culture is it <laughs> no I mean I don't know like, probably probably a lot of those things honestly or like is- the types of sports these kids are enrolled in early based on what people are interested in in that area like I think it's- I think scheme has something to do with it you know Texas was ground zero for the seven on seven revolution. You know, they yeah. started doing seven on seven in the late mid late nineties. Uh, Dick Olin, the old coach of Baytown Lee uh, was kind of behind a lot of that when they started doing a seven on seven state tournament. And I think in 1996, um, that still goes to this day uh, that, that to me, and then obviously Mike Leach brought the air raid here at Texas tech and had great success in the two thousands. And I think everybody here started playing that. Everybody here started spreading it out, and so and and at that time in the early advent of that, your big three hundred pound defensive lineman wasn't useful if you're throwing it throwing the bubble screens out to the perimeter all the time because they're not you know running, they're not going to be able to run sideline to sideline as much. So you saw a lot less. I think you saw fewer players specialize that position because you had more guys playing this style of ball. I think it's gonna. I think it's starting to come back a little bit because. I think more Big 12 teams have started to play better defense. I thought, you know, Baylor's done a really good job uh, in recent years. Obviously, Iowa State with what they've done, but uh, TCU under Patterson has been great. But, but, and I think all that stuff is cyclical. But I think the reason, my, my theory is that because this became ground zero for spread seven on seven, that changed the game so much here at the high school level because so many high schools were going that way scheme-wise, and there were very few that were lining up. There's not very many Katy high schools that are still lining up in the I formation and running it down your throat. All right. Where does Baylor fit in all this uh, as far as recruiting? Where do you put them on the food chain in the state? I think they're going to they're gonna be, in my opinion, right there 
with TCU, I think they're going to have so that ahead potential. Of, would you put them ahead of Tech on the food chain? I know Tech's yes. right now having yeah. a, a good year. Okay. Yeah, just generally because they've had more on-field success. I mean, heck, they've been uh, they've been to the Big 12 championship. What they've won three of them, I think, in the last nine years. And Under so, multiple and, coaches. They, and they've been and they've been a top, you know, twenty-five team. Pretty, you know, I think six or seven times in that span. So they 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 have a foundation to success, like you said, over multiple head coaches that has been proven. And they did it under Bryles. They did it under Matt Rule. Now they're doing it under Dave Aranda. And they're, to me, I, I can't get over their location. Their location is so perfect because they're right on I-35. They're about an hour from Dallas-Fort Worth. They're two and a half hours from Houston. They're you know not super far from East Texas, but they're also close enough that if they want to go in a, to West Texas, they can go grab a guy. You know, and, and so to me, they're so advantageously located, plus they have a really stable administration, plus they've got a ton of you know financial. I mean, the McLean Stadium is beautiful. You know, they're building a new ops building and all that stuff for the football team. They got the resources. So I think they're in a good spot. And Aranda, I think, I think he's a bright guy. I think he's going to be there a while. I think I, he doesn't seem to me to be like the job chaser type that's just looking to move up. He, he seems to me to be a guy that's really methodical and really wants to do things his way. Like, I think if the, the, I don't ever get the sense that he was in serious consideration for LSU. But even if he was, I never got the sense that he was going to take that job because you cannot win the way Dave Aranda wants to win at LSU. You just can't because the pressure is just too much. And I think Dave wants to win his way. And I think at Baylor, he can do that for a little while. Interesting. It's a great point about geography because you wouldn't think about Waco as being the perfect geography in the state. But when you, you know, there might not be a lot of players in their backyard. But when you've got an hour here, two hours here, three mm-hmm. hours there. It's a great point. Is that why Ari- Baylor always seems to be good, even though there's no reason they should be good? I mean, a lot of it is goes back to just actually stepping up commitment because once they had the success they did under Bryles, they, I mean, Dave, I mean, uh, Drayton McLean's obviously, you know, put a lot of money to help get that stadium done. And that, you know, Robert Griffin winning the Heisman did a lot for them too. They make great and, hires and much, too. I mean, it, yeah. We talked recruiting, then, but Ari, you might want to cover your ears. Coaching matters a lot, and they've made great coaching <laughs> They have. Matters. They have. Uh, and, you know, Mac Rhodes, credit to him, the last two, you know, Matt Rule and, and Aranda have really, really worked out. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to do that. But, yeah, I think a lot of it, to your point, Ari, I think a lot of it has to do with where they're located because they finally have nice stuff, you know, that they didn't have back in, 2000, in the early 2000s when they were the bottom of the Big 12. They have stuff that's now comparable to the other top programs. And their location is really, really advantageous. It's just you can drive home from there to damn near anywhere in the state if you need to, at least from from where you're going to get most of your good recruits. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always been interesting to me that like Baylor, both basketball and football, have had awful, truly awful scandals happen. Uh, hasn't necessarily been a recruiting powerhouse in either sport and like have inexplicably been performing at the highest level of both sports. And it's just like it seems like no matter who the coach is there, they always seem to be pretty good so and they've done it in different ways because yeah. scott drew it in basketball has been there forever whereas in football they've had to go through multiple coaches and still been able to sustain it i think a lot of it just has to do with want to i always say want to if you want to be good you're willing to do what it takes baylor has shown that i don't think back in the 90s when they were the big 12 doormat or uh southwest conference doormat i don't i don't know how much the want to was there and i, I wasn't around as much so i can't say but 
the want to now is definitely there. Yeah, I always say this when I, I first started. I've always been a college football fan, but when I started Athlon Sports in 2001, I really started diving in and studying the whole country. Baylor in the early 2000s just was beyond bad. I mean, routinely just 65 to 7 every week, didn't matter who they were playing. And I would you know, just – if you would have said back then, do what they're doing now, just let alone be competitive because they were – just, I mean, the Kevin Steele UNLV game is still one of the, good, <laughs> one, of the one of the great all timers. So, are you Te- are you a young guy? You need to look up Kevin Steele UNLV. Yeah, I, got, I need to send you that story, Ari. I, I somebody sent it to me recently. I was we were talking about it about a year ago. But I need one of the most painful it. losses of all time. Texas and Texas A&M used to outdraw Baylor for Ed Baylor home games. When 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 those teams came, there was more maroon or there was more burnt orange in the stands at Floyd Casey Stadium, and there was Baylor green and gold. And it's not yeah, because people like it happens here in Nashville with Vanderbilt. It's because people love coming to Nashville on vacation. It's not like people are going to Waco <laughs> uh, for, for, right. for the weekend. So yeah, yeah. At least there were, there was no Magnolia table and no Chip and Joanna. Back yeah. Then. So uh, <laughs> so so it was different. But but no, they, they they've done a great job. I said they stable leadership now, good infrastructure, good commitment, and like I said, good hiring good coaches, man. Uh, yep, with, it, with, it, that, that recruit their butts off. So all right, we got to move on to the trivia question in a minute for our guest, but do you have any more? Do you have anything else you want to bring up with our tech spurt? I love you, Sam. This love is great. You too, I mean, we could have, this, uh, this, you I know, feel like we, we have like just started, but you know, okay. So <laughs> rank our, we, Max was a great guest. Landis was a great guest. Grace. Are right, we, we, Sam, we might need to rank our guests. I go, for, I go, t- <laughs> I'm not going to be first. grace. T- y'all, were, y'all were off the meter. T dash one, grace, Max <laughs> and Sam. Number two, Bill Landis. You're going to be like a coach speak where I say all my quarterbacks are one, a one B and one C. It's yeah, an open we, competition. It's an open competition. Yeah. We'll have to have all you guys back on and then we'll figure it out. Um, there's a, there's a story I want to do. I want to do the art of managing the quarterback battle publicly because they always say that when like, remember that when Kyler Murray and, Tanner Mordecai, I guess, had a quarterback battle, quote unquote, yeah. in Oklahoma. Yeah, every single, even though like Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, everyone, quote everyone unquote, lies. <laughs> everyone lies. Come on, man. You think you think Kyler Murray turned out all those millions to come back and say, "Well, I'm just going to battle for the quarterback position." Yeah, come on, no, man. nobody, <laughs> nobody's uh, battling. Uh, Let's be real. Sometimes there's a battle, and sometimes it's sometimes what, there is. Yeah, actually, yeah. sometimes absolutely genuinely is, but a lot of times. It's just be them being just disingenuous because they're paranoid. And you think Quinn Ewers transferred to Texas to be in a battle? Good point. Very good point. We bring it back full circle. Yeah, and yep. also there's one thing that you said that um, I want to take exception to, Mitch. Uh-oh. Sure. And it's not about recruiting. It's just well, kind of about recruiting. It's about just like what you said. You said, cover your ears, Ari. Coaching matters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no shit. Uh, okay, like I, I know. <laughs> it's like saying breathing matters and then so everybody says, def- you don't think you need all a drink. Defensive. Yeah. No, but, but Mitch, you saying coaching matters, cover your ears it's like you saying if I. It's like you saying if I say breathing matters, cover your ears. Uh, impor- drinking water is important. <laughs> like they're both important. I I just push back at the idea of people who think it doesn't I matter at all. I, I am I am a subscriber to the Ari Wasserman Stars yeah. Matter theory. Well, we I wouldn't like have a show. of the Smarts Matter podcast. Stars I know, but do matter. But when you say cover your ears, coaching matters. People will be like <laughs> Ari doesn't. You think. ever heard of you ever heard of banter, Ari? Yeah, I just like I don't want to get bantered over the head on Twitter tomorrow over people who think that I don't like think coaching matters again because I have to go through that once every. I, I will I will say this. I'm going to interject on that. I do think Ari's done a great job of raising awareness, especially <laughs> on social media, for yes. these people who want to like after the Super Bowl that want to say, well, oh yeah, you know, Cooper Cup 
yada 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 yada. Like Ari has done a really good job of, of in the last you know couple of years of advancing the discourse in the proper direction. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate that because it's like and, I feel and, like I'm robbing people mm-hmm. because it's so freaking obvious. <laughs> It is. Like, I'm it not is, smart. Like, it's just so obvious. Clearly. Like, oh, the best players in the country are good. <laughs> oh, my <Yes>. God. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that drives me nuts is the devaluing of three stars. Like, people say three star like it's a bad thing. And, like, actually, three star football players are really, really damn good. Yeah. Also, three star. The yeah. Especially the high end. Three high end three star prospects are in the top 1% of America at football. Yeah. I mean, you have a three star who's ranked 450. That's a damn good. Player. Yeah, some somebody posted on I can't remember what player they were referencing. Somebody a couple days ago and posted somebody's three star rating. It was like they were three ninety nine in the in the nation, and I'm like, dude, that means you were this close to being a four star. And also, yeah, like, it tells you the culture of two million the, people. The, the the recruiting climate we're in now, though. I mean, you, I'm sure you guys, if Alabama or Texas A&M or Georgia gets a commitment and it's a three-star, you're like, oh, what's the deal with that kid? Or oh. like, they, they found a diamond in the rough or something. I know. Year, we think there's got to be something wrong. Like, what is Nick Saban? That's right. Know? Here's yeah, the thing. Like, right. Take the NBA. If you took the dream team and then you had them face a team full of role players from all the other teams combined, the dream team would be way better. But it doesn't mean the players on the on the other team suck. They're in the NBA. Yeah. Like that's the way that you have to view it. I'm having to explain this to my kid who's like super in the NBA, and he's like, "Why are like why are the Orlando Magic so bad?" I'm like, "Are they, do they have bad players?" I'm like, "Well, technically they're not bad. They're just not so as good relative to everybody." So else. the teams that win the most are the teams that have the best players, which that's is a, right. which is a yeah. novel idea. And he's are starting you, to figure that out. Are you he's a like, Rockets fan, Sam? I was. Uh, I don't know that I really am like loyal like that anymore to it. But yeah, I mean, I I still because we, we we have if you were a Rockets fan, we could have a support group of fans of teams that James Harden has quit on. As I wear my oh, yeah, as I no, wear my that's... Brooklyn Nets pullover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, yeah, I just don't follow them as close as I used to. But yeah, I grew up for the first 25, 30 years of my life. So you're an Astros fan too, and they're cheaters. Yeah, I hate the Astros. After, after that happened, I kind of moved on from Yeah, that. Yankees. Oh. I kind of honestly have kind of moved on from every professional franchise in Houston. But are you a Coog like, still? I have all that stuff. Like I have a Rockets thing in my wall. Well, I mean, I graduated from U of H, so I have to. But uh, I have all the Rockets stuff on the wall behind me because um, that's that's like a relic of my childhood. Sure. I want to tell you a but, fun uh, story. Yeah. Okay, when then we got we got to do trivia. Okay. Soon. We all don't right. have to do anything. Uh, we don't. True. <laughs> we, we can do that. We'll do the trivia, but Ari's we don't. Like, this is my damn podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a <laughs> shit what we do. <laughs> Ari's li- Ari is lying on a bed, just relaxing right now. He can talk to Sam forever. <laughs> we have people uh, in the other rooms uh, that I have to not disturb right now. But I, <laughs> when Tom Herman took the job at Houston, Ohio State won the national championship in Dallas. Like two or three days before he left for Houston. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember the timeline on this. Yeah, he put a hat on yeah, after the yeah, game at U of H and did, the, did yeah, this bit. Yeah, the, the, the go Coog thing, yeah. The, the, what is the, that? Yeah, the shocker. The shocker. Uh, it's, actually, it's the cougar paw, but people in yeah. pop culture, it's the shocker. It's the shocker in, at ASU, in, too. In U of H, it's the cougar paw. Um, so I went down to Houston with Bill Landis uh, after that game. And Who? we went with Dollaby. Okay. And we went to the University of Houston to write about Herman, and we were in his office at Houston before Herman was in it. Uh-huh. Like we saw, the, and I was blown away by how awesome the facilities at UH are. Yeah, they have some want to. They do. UH has some want to, Sam, and they they've gotten better since then. Yeah. Were uh, you at the uh, 2013, the famed 2013 Birmingham Bowl, Sam? 
Houston. And I was Vanderbilt. not. No, I was. I was at home sick watching that. Oh, uh, I was patrolling the sidelines with James Franklin's last uh, last game with, with the Commodores. That's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, I and you still I haven't it, moved on, but yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I was covering A and M at that time. But okay, I was, I was homesick. Anyway. That was a strange but, game, yeah, by the way. It was twenty four nothing, twenty four nothing Vanderbilt, twenty four twenty four, and then I think forty one twenty four. All right, Mitch, so. we have to get to the question. God, why are you holding us up? <laughs> I, I'm the worst, Ari. I know. Sam, this right. is fun. This is fun. You're okay, Ari, like, we, we can have some long conversations about that first Tom Herman year at Houston. Yeah, you got to come on up days. to Dallas and spend the night and just chill for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Open up the Woodford Reserve, mix it in some Pepsi. We'll, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. <laughs> I, I like to tailor my trivia question to the alma mater of our guests. And before you came on, I asked Ari, if do you know where Sam went to college? And he said, Sam Houston State. So oh! <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Sam, here, trivia question. Houston okay. has signed seven four-star prospects in the modern recruiting era dating mm-hmm. back to 2002. Mm-hmm. Con- composite five stars. I mean, four stars. How many of those seven can you name? Deontay Greenberry. Yes, number two. Wide receiver, 2012. Do we count Ed Oliver because he was a five-star? Of course, yes. Yeah. Okay, four star Ed Oliver. Above. Yes. Uh, Derek King. Oh, you're not cheating, are you? No, I'm not. I'm writing them down on my notepad. Derek King was not. Derek was not a composite. Okay, I think in ESPN's ranking, I was at ESPN at the time. He was in their ESPN 300. That's why I thought that. Courtney Lark. Yes, number five, wide receiver 2016. Uh, How many did you have? Seven? Seven. By the way, it's really good to have someone on who can answer a trivia question. Usually Ari is... I actually know one of the answers to this. Okay. Believe it or Um, not. Okay, and you said uh, that includes this last class? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, Matthew Golden. Yes, That's number four wide class. receiver. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from Klein Kane. Uh, Demetrius Hunter. Incorrect. Okay, he was not. Okay, so he was he was a four star, but he was a low, or I think he was a high three star. Okay, so it's not him. Uh, so how many do I have so far? Yeah, four. There's three left. Three left. So Greenberry, Oliver, Lark, Golden. Um, two relatively recent. One not so. Oh gosh, uh, Marquez Stevenson. Nope. No. Okay. I don't have the list here, so I just wrote down the the, I th- the seven that are. So. Okay. Um. I think I may be. I think I may be out of guys. Yeah, I think I can't remember okay. anymore. So who are the last three? That uh, Trindavian Dixon. Ah, I forgot about Trindavian. Yeah. R- uh, wide receiver. Never yeah. actually suited up. Actually signed okay. and never played. Uh, Natai, how do you pronounce his name? Natai Rogers. Natai Rogers. Natai. Yeah, I remember Natai. Yeah. And then going back to 2002, a tight end, John Clark. Wow, that is way back. That's back when I was a student there. And it's back that at the time never. where the rankings were like whatever. Like, yeah, but I would have never gotten John Clark. Uh, Natai Rogers, I probably wouldn't have gotten Trindavian Dixon. I should have remembered because they signed him, but he never. Never we did that. ask Andy Staples on the show who the top 10 players who graduated or, or top 10 players of all time to sign with Florida, and that would have been really, really hard. So you did it better took, than Andy. Because there's so many of them. There's, there's like so many five stars. Oh, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Louise. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, four out of seven. Yeah, they don't have a lot of them. They it's uh, they did pretty good this year to get golden, but uh, they, they, a lot of them, several of them came. Or it says, again, again, when I was at the old shop, some of these guys were four stars. That's why I thought like Lark and King were, but. Uh, but the H-Town takeover days were really uh, – that was a recruiting heyday for them yeah. with Tom Herman. But uh, they've, they've got some uh, – got some potential here with Holgerson. I think uh, they got some things cooking so far, and uh, the Big 12 and the offing I think is going to be really, really good for them. Like I said, Ari, they got some want-to, man. You got Tillman Fertitta in your back pocket. 
who's got uh, money to spend and <laughs> they're building all and these facilities. And they're all out of my so. pocket too, right? Because it's like a casino family. A casino and restaurant. Yeah. So they, they have money on has- both sides of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are yeah, you speaking the- of one, two, do you have some one, two to, to take, take us home? Yeah. Sam, hey, buddy, we appreciate you. And I know that Mitch and I have a tendency to argue in the middle of a question. <laughs> so thanks for being a good sport about thanks it. Thanks for putting up with us. I thought that was no, super was good. insightful. It was fun. I hope the, the listeners of Stars Matter enjoy that we're trying to spread the love a little bit. We got some TCU in there. We got some Texas Tech in there, some Baylor, Houston. You know, we didn't get to Vanderbilt. Sorry, Mitch, but, you know, it, it went well. <laughs> That's really, special three-hour edition. Sam, you know your stuff, man. We really appreciate you. We need to get together on that story. Um, for the listeners, thanks so much for sticking around for one more week of this. We'll see you in seven days. Uh, that was Stars Matter. Stars Matter.